I hear I hear you from pretty far away. It's hard to hear you. It's hard to hear me. And now, is it better? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. You probably recognize this voice because he has been in the podcast before. But if you don't, this is Dagobert. He's an indie hacker. And together with his wife, they have been developing their own indie startup for more than three years now. It's called Logology. It helps you to build logos for your projects. At the same time, Dagobert has been growing his Twitter audience. He has now more than 55k Twitter followers, and he's known for his memes. Funny memes about indie hacking, marketing, and that's what put him in the map. But it's actually more than that. Dagobert really studied Twitter and fully understood how the algorithm works. Today, I want to speak with him about the whole process of writing and recording his Twitter course. Let me set the scene for you. As I am calling him, he is in his own place in Lille. He's wearing a woody that says Paris, a white woody. And I noticed a few new things about his setup. Uh, no, like it's still the same shitty setup. Uh, it's just that for the course, I have like Lucy painted a big sheet of paper black and we okay. put it in the room. And like, so like when I do the course, I do like way fancier. Like we have the black background. Lucy puts makeup on my face. I have lighting, I have everything. So it looks good. But Makeup uh, and everything. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think of it, but she she thought it was better, and and it's true, like it's it's cleaner, so that was fun to do. For the ones that did not buy Dagobert's course, which I totally recommend if you want to grow your Twitter audience, when you open the course, you have a lot of chapters, and in each chapter you have a video. In this video, Dagobert teaches you about his method to grow his Twitter audience. In the video, he has a black background, is wearing makeup using a pro mic to record and a light black t-shirt. You only see his body and face. You actually don't see his arms. You can see that there was a lot of care put into the production of his Twitter course. One of the reasons why I wanted to record another conversation with Dagobert is because of episode 208. It's called a therapeutical phone call and in this episode, Dagobert and I had an open-heart conversation about our insecurities. In this conversation, Dagobert started thinking more seriously about doing his Twitter course, and he also had a very important impact in my own podcast journey. I was checking out our last conversation. I think it was something like April 2021 Exactly. Yeah, April 12th. Very nice. Uh, April 12th, and it's called... I call it a therapeutical phone call. Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I, like yeah. You basically gave me the motivation for the course. I mean, I had the motivation, but you like helped right. me see, you know. So that was awesome. And look where we are now. Yeah. It's funny because I was listening to that. And it was also, I believe in that episode, in that conversation that I... You also gave me the motivation to start accepting sponsorships in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now I have sponsorships, sponsorships in the podcast. And how is it going? It's going good, man. I, I had no idea coming from, you know, having the community where it's so hard to get people to pay 10 bucks per yeah. month and then suddenly start selling ads. I realized that people like, they just, they just pay for ads. Yeah. So you make, how many, how much do you make uh, per episode now or like per month or something? From so that? I only, I only started, I believe in November. 
Yeah. I started big. I started with um, Simon uh, from Feed Hive. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's nice. Uh, I once I, I I think the first pricing I put it was like sixty bucks per episode or something. Yeah, and he immediately bought four slots. He was like, "Okay, awesome. let me buy four slots." I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> four slots!" I mean, that's crazy. I'm like, for I've never made any money with the podcast, right? Or only a yeah, few yeah. bucks. Let me take this opportunity to speak about today's sponsor, which is FeedHive. Makes total sense since we are talking about Twitter. FeedHive is a scheduler that helps you manage your content across multiple social media platforms. I use it mostly for Twitter. And one thing Dago says in his course is that one of the most important steps you have to take to increase your engagement is to actually engage with people, answer tweets, and answer when people tag you and ask you questions. However, this can be really tiresome because you have notifications all day and then sometimes you just forget to answer people. So today I want to speak about probably one of my favorite features of FeedHive, which is the social inbox. You just go to your dashboard, you go to FeedHive, and you click in social inbox, and you'll see laid out for you all your tweets ready to answer every time someone tags you either in their post or answering to your posts you see them there and you can just go there and answer and it makes the whole process so much easier and it's something again that is really really crucial to increase your engagement and by doing that you can basically optimize the whole process and have more time for yourself to create great content or to build your projects so that's what I want to talk with you today. It's FeedHive. And uh, of course, that this platform has a lot of other features. You can compose your tweets, schedule them. It also offers you inspiration using AI. So I have been using FeedHive for a couple of months now. I'm really happy with it. It's something that I use almost every day. And you can use it too. If you use the WB25 code, you can actually get 25% discount for your first year using FeedHive. WB25, the links will be in the show notes of this episode. Let's continue. You, you didn't want it to be that guy that uh, just makes money with a course, right? Uh, did that change? You know what helped me in that conversation that you, that you told me? Yeah, but like, if you have some value to bring to people, like it's positive. It's not a scam. It's nothing like if you have something mm -hmm. to bring, it's awesome. Yeah, and that was that was really something that helped me, and so I really focused on that. Like, you know, that's why I spent so long building it. That took me five months to like prepare, record, edit. I just worked yeah. on that and nothing else for five months because I really didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be a fraud or anything like that. Yeah. So, and then you know we launched it. Uh, it it's working. Uh, now we sell like a couple every day, between two and five per day. So well, that's amazing, you know. Um, yeah. I guess it's just I I found the right balance because I feel I still feel like it's good to teach people. Like if you can do a course and you can help people, like I mean, as long as you can help people, you shouldn't basically refrain from it. It's stupid. Right. Uh, even yeah. if you have you know bias against being a course guy or whatever. Wait, Lucy is knocking on the door and not realizing <laughs> I'm in a pod. It's okay. She can join. She apologized. <laughs> no, she's sick. She apologizes. Uh, like, sorry. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I'm not abandoning her. She's still good enough to not need me at this time. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> like, 
man, I worked so hard. Like I was, you know, I tracked my time. And so when we went back from vacation and in August, I was like, okay, I'm going to spend the next few months until I do the course. And the first week I did about 32 hours of work, which is pretty minimal for me. In the course? Yeah, uh, the course. And I kept increasing that every week naturally until the week of launch. And I did two weeks straight where I did more than 70 hours in a week. Two weeks straight. So I was literally, I mean, before launching the course, I was working to five in the morning, two in the morning, tired, but I wanted to launch it. So there was no work in Logology then? No, I mean, Lucy was still working. She was adding logos, adding stuff, but I wasn't improving anything on the product. This was a good bet because this Twitter course ended up being very successful. We will get into the numbers later on this episode. But now, let's really understand what it takes to make such a course. For the ones that did not buy it yet, the visuals are simple. You see Dagobert speaking. Most of the times, he's just explaining his method, the method that will help you grow your Twitter audience. And sometimes you also see some supportive material, like videos on how to use certain features of Twitter. And as well, in the end of each chapter, you have a sum up with bullet points of what Dagobert spoke about during that episode. Even though it might look simple, don't be mistaken. It's not easy to simplify complex information, but Dagobert and Lucy, they made it really, really well so that everyone was happy with the course. I really wanted to understand what was the process to create this Twitter course. So the first thing I did is I wrote the landing page. Okay. Because I wanted to see in my head, okay, can it be engaging? Can it be interesting? Can it be problem solving a big problem? So Mm -hmm. I started with the landing page until I had some, I mean, at least a copy. So at least I had an idea of like what I thought could sell. You know, because I was already interviewing people, asking questions, what are your problems with Twitter? Like I actually asked in, uh, you know, when I be entrepreneur, I asked people, yeah. what's your main problem with Twitter? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like compiled, uh, you know, the, the answers. And then I started making a landing page about what would be the ideal course to solve these problems? What would be the bullet points and like the value props? And then I was like, okay, I need to make a course to solve that now. Now that I have the selling, I, I want to have the product. Right, you identified the problems, right? Like, what yeah, are yeah, the yeah, problems? Yeah. So it's basically yeah. the same as as building a SaaS or oh, a exactly. Or I had the right? exact same approach. Yeah, focus on problems, find two or three core features. So right. that was the core problem. So the core problems were like, I don't understand why I don't get engagement. So explain why. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I waste all of my time on Twitter, and it's not like it's going nowhere. So that's like the routine to help you, you know, uh, put your time in the right places. And then there was like, I can't come up with tweets. So there's the whole writing framework that I also added. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I started like this. But then I never thought of doing a video course. I wanted to do a book because I love writing. Because you see me, I tweet, oh. I love writing. Yeah, right. And I spent one month trying to write it. When I went to Lisbon, actually, I was writing the course every day. Uh as I imagined it in a book. And I kept thinking, okay, this needs to be as exciting to read as my tweets. So like, you never need, you shouldn't never get bored. So right. I was spending, I remember like one chapter was like only three paragraphs. Like you could read the whole chapter in like one minute, but it was so good. But like, it mm-hmm. took me two days to write, uh, to make it good. So then I realized, I, I talked to a friend of mine and he told me that 
I should do a video because it's easier uh, to, you can get by with a bit more mistakes or like when you do a book, you have to write it perfectly. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, so eventually I decided to do video. So by then I had all the list of my chapters. I didn't write the content, but I had an outline of most things. But then, you know, because you know me, I'm still a perfectionist. I, I didn't script anything because I don't want to sound robotic. Mm-hmm. So every time I had a chapter that I wanted to record, and there's like uh, about 20, 23, I think, yeah, 23 mm-hmm. in the main course, uh, in the big, like a big uh, advanced version. Um, every chapter, I remember I spent about two hours recording and doing take after take. And finding my thinking as I was doing it. Because I wanted to be spontaneous. I wanted to feel like I'm just talking to you and telling you what I know. And It so feels really end, spontaneous. It, it yeah, does yeah. feel very spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Because I wanted to be engaging. Because, because for example, me, I'm bored so easily. I have a hard time listening to a course. Yeah. So I wanted to be engaging. And so in the end, I think I recorded more than 30 hours and then I had to do the edit, which I had never done in my life. So it took me right. at least 60 hours to do the edits, uh, to have a clean edit. So that was like shit ton of time. Then I also had the preparation before, like learn about lighting, uh, you know, sound. Uh, yeah. I had a small studio set up, you know, kind of like informal in, in our bedroom. I hope you are as amazed as I am. Do you see the amount of work that goes to prepare such a Twitter course? All that simplicity that seems easy for us to consume actually requires a lot of thought. Dagobert spent months really thinking it through and organizing the content, not to mention the years he spent to really understand the Twitter algorithm. And all of this work is just for the content of the course. What about the production part? Listen to this. I spent 30 hours watching YouTube videos uh, about lighting, about uh, how do you do that? I bought about $500 of gear. Uh, I didn't buy a camera because like, it's too expensive, so I just used an iPhone. But it's a good camera, right? It works yeah, pretty yeah. well. Uh, basically, like since we started making some money, uh, we had bought the first thing we bought with Blogology was like a phone for Lucy because she had yeah. an iPhone for like an iPhone, I think. iPhone SE, but like the original SE, like this really yeah. shit, like completely not working anymore almost. And so then we got her a nice, small, modern iPhone. And then we used that, you know, to, to film. So, like, I had to buy about, like, three stands, uh, three or four different lights. Uh, then we had a big, you know, we bought a big sheet of paper to put it on the wall to paint, to make the background. So I bought a couple of T-shirts because I wanted to have a nice T-shirt uh, to look good. <laughs> then So, like, overall, it was, like, $500, which was a good, it seemed like, an investment, but not too much that if we failed, we would regret it. Because yeah. if I had spent like 2K on a nice camera and all that to have like fancier uh, display, it would have been pretty useless and mm-hmm. a bigger risk. So I didn't want to do that. So yeah, a lot of work, man. A lot of work went into it. It's incredible to realize the amount of work and know-how that you actually require to make such a good quality course. A course, even though it seems similar to a SaaS in the ideation phase, it's quite different because you cannot really update it after it's done. Dagobert cannot just simply update the videos. So he needs to make it right from the start. That's not easy. That's not really the indie mentality. We cannot figure out as we go. 
to solve that, Dagobert really took his time to figure out how to properly record a course. He spent hours figuring out what where, what the background should be, how to record it, even the makeup. My question to him was, how did he know it would be worth it? I knew it could be successful because, uh, you know, I know I was already good at getting traffic to Logology from yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like between 5 and 10k percent per month. And I knew by looking at other people like Daniel Vassallo or Arvid that a course converts way more. So I knew that if I just, because for example, now you can see a link to my course on my pin tweet and in my bio. Yeah. So I knew that if I just keep doing my tweeting thing like, like usual, but I have a killer product that sells more, then I'm going to sell. And I'm going to sell long term. Because a lot of people told me that I was just going to sell on launch. Because people assume that's how it yeah. works. But I never thought in that way because with Twitter, I always managed to get tons yeah, of traffic to exactly. my website every month. So I knew it was going to happen with the course. And that's the same that's happening. Like right. We're like January 12th and we're almost at 3K with the course this month. That's awesome. Yeah, that's huge. It's, it's that, incredible. That's, that's incredible. like... That's like three or four yeah. times what Logology was doing when I was promoting it heavily. Yeah. And that's just because, you know, it's the I, I have the same number of traffic as before with Logology. It's just that now the product is more appealing. When Dagobert first started going on Twitter, he just wanted to bring traffic to his website, his startup, Logology. However, without knowing, he tapped into something much more powerful. He created an audience. An audience that he could channel to different products. That's what he did with the Twitter course. Dago also learned a very important lesson, that the way people price the value of certain products is not really predictable. Listen to this. So basically we did the math and it's basically seven times harder to sell a logo than a Twitter course. Uh, okay. You know, so that's fucking harder. But like we're working on uh, pivoting to make it easier. We'll talk about that later maybe. Make a course like on how to about... make logos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I keep telling Lucy, but she doesn't want to. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it would be awesome. But let uh, me but talk yeah, with her. Uh, I'll convince her. <laughs> oh yeah, I would love that because I think it would make you killing. But she doesn't. She, you know, Lucy, her dream is to be in her little cave and make logos all day and hide her novel. And yeah. sometimes we go out to the museum. That's basically the dream <laughs> life, you know. So it's uh, it's. Uh, yeah, she doesn't want to do something else. But there are two uh, countries who never buy logos, and it's people from France, way harder to convert, even though okay. I'm French, so it's weird, but you know. And India. It's like Indian well, men. Indian every time. No, Because they think have it for super to cheap. <laughs> I they used just to think their that. Neighbor. <laughs> I, I used to think that. And then I launched the course, and Indians buy it just like that. I was like, fuck, I thought Indians were cheap. But no, they're just like, they don't give a shit about logos. That's just it. Like, they think a logo is worth 10 bucks. But they yeah. think the Twitter course is worth 80. And it was very surprising to me. And I think it's about cultural also. Because uh, I had a lot of discussions with customers uh, from India um, who told me, like, graphic design is just, like, very different. They have a different way of approaching it. And they don't imagine spending more than 10 or 20 bucks on that. It's, like, impossible. And so I was amazed to see that uh, depending on the product, uh, you know, and the pricing, it's way yeah. different. I didn't expect, uh, like we have, we sold way more courses than 
to Indians than logos ever, you know, already. What do you think connects value to a product in people's minds? It's like, is it society? Is, I don't know. I would love to figure this out. I think, you know, I think it's basically uh, the closer you are to the money, the higher the value. So like, for example, a logo, it's pretty far from somebody making money. Once you buy a logo, it doesn't take mm. you much closer to making money. But once you buy a Twitter course that promises to teach you how to grow an audience and get more sales, you get closer to money. You know what I mean? For example, a community doesn't get you much closer to money. Just having friends and yeah. co-working, basically. But sponsoring a podcast where listeners can buy your yeah. product, that gets you closer to money. So I think it's about that. That's what people spend on. I mean, of course, restaurants and entertainment is different, but like usually in B2B stuff, it's way easier. Like, like yeah. This. yeah, I was thinking about that recently. So the cost of the community is only it's not only the 10 bucks. It's for me, it's like the 10 bucks plus the time that people have to invest, right? True. So it's like going to a gym. Uh, yeah, right. going to a gym, you pay something, what, 50 bucks to get full access, whatever. But then you need to commit to go there and every every week or twice a week, yeah, or twice a week whatever. It's a huge cost. Yeah. So it's a huge cost mentally as well. Uh, a sponsorship, it's super easy, right? You just pay it once. Oh, right. You don't, yeah. And you don't think about it. It's done and you'll get, as, as you said, closer to the money. But the course, you still need to invest your time i i have to like consume all of it i need to there's a lot of things so i, I write down everything and then i still i still need to apply it every day and then yeah. maybe after a month i'll start seeing or maybe after a week i don't know but it takes a while to start getting the results but there's a tricky thing and ugly thing about courses which is why there's so much scams is that sadly most people they don't watch it yeah okay they just you buy have it those because I don't have them because, but I know a lot of people start tweeting, hey, I'm finally going to watch Dago's course. And they bought it like two months ago. Yeah. And, and I think it's because, because I try to reflect to my own experience when I used to buy more courses and learning when I was in, in my early 20s. And I remember it feels like you're already, like it's kind of like you're paying to get the life that you want. Like by buying the course, you kind of get a bit of that already. Just by acquiring it, it's yeah. already putting you towards the goal of growing on Twitter or getting more customers or whatever. It's yeah, already helping that dopamine. you. You already feel the dopamine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's already you giving you it. something. Yeah. Yeah. But then you don't really necessarily do it. For example, like uh, back when I launched my course, somebody else launched a product where like he had listed a bunch of virtual assistants that you could hire. And he sold the list for like 30 bucks. And I bought it, uh, and there was FOMO because there was like only 10 uh, units available. Buy it now. So I bought it now, and I still haven't used it uh, <laughs> because I thought I was going to need it, but I haven't needed it. So yeah. that's the thing. I think a lot of people think, like they see the landing page, they think, okay, this is really useful. This is going to help me. I need this. So they buy it, but they haven't needed it yet. So, you know. That's so interesting. Like, and I think that's the, the promise, difference with a yeah. logo because like a logo you you act it's either you need it or you don't it's not like i might need this i might need a logo in three months yeah but like in three months yeah. you will have a different idea of what you need so you can't buy it now because the logo will change so you can't yeah. buy it right away and, and as you said it's not the same feeling it's not the same like as you said like this promise let's say like buying a book for instance 
yeah. a physical book, you look at at the book and you be like, yes, I bought it, and then you never read it. But just by having it, you feel it's hard to explain. But you, yeah, as you said, you feel closer to your goal, right? Yeah. But with the logo, I don't like feel it. Like, I don't feel like no, that. you don't feel that. Yeah. But why? <laughs> it's so random. I don't know. It's we need to get a psychologist to speak about it because you should be. It's, it's you are also closer to your goal. But fuck, this is giving me a feeling. new idea for logology. I'm writing it down. Write it down. Write it down. When you build a product, you should think. Is there something in my product that makes someone feel that if they buy it and, and not use it, still gain something? Let me stop it here. Did you follow this? If they buy it and not use it, still gain something. That's genius, right? If you are able to get this feeling into a person that they can just buy your product and the moment they buy it, they start feeling better. That's a great selling point. I had this feeling recently when I bought Atomic Habits. I still didn't read it. It's still on my nightstand. However, every time I look at this book, I feel this good sensation. Like I'm part of this unique group. The group of people that bought Atomic Habits and their life changed. Actually, Dagobert felt the same when he joined a community. Listen to this. Before I joined a wannabe entrepreneur, I was in a different community that was paying that was called Mega Maker. Right. It still exists. It's like 300 bucks. And it's huge, right? It's one-time fee. But I paid it because uh, the guy showed that there was like the guy who created Product Hunt in the members. And I thought that by buying, I would like get closer to this, closer to these big guys, and this would be helpful uh, in my business forever. So I paid, even though I only spent a couple of months on the community and then I stopped. But, you know, it's because I felt closer to actual making money. Even if I didn't use it, I was part of this community and and the value was like the big, uh, big star guy I was, that was a yeah. part of it. So, you know, I think if we think of products this way, and now I'm thinking of Logology, I'm thinking, okay, Logo doesn't do that. But if you give people a full guide on how to design their startup or like there's something they can say, oh, I will always need that. You know, I will yeah. always need that so I can buy it. And basically something that they think it's always going to be useful. And if I buy it now, I'm, I'm, I'm already making progress. I think you just said something really interesting, which is like putting you in the same bucket as these other successful people. That's also what I feel with a Twitter course or something like this. It puts oh, okay. you in the same bucket as what you want to be, right? Like when you read a book about entrepreneurs, for instance, or startups, you'd be like, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work in a startup. So the fact that I buy it, I, I can show the world, even if I'm actually not showing, I can show the world that I'm there. I'm committed to doing that. I'm closer to that people. Uh, so maybe you can even do the same with Logology. You can like take the, the people that used it. Actually, I don't know if you have this in the website, you know, this kind of things like used by, and then you show... Um, yeah, the but like, I don't even that have that on it. my on my Twitter course website. So that's yeah. Just but Twitter, everyone thing. everyone looks at Twitter and they're like, yeah, okay, true. all the big ones, all the makers are there. Like you, Levels, Arvid, uh, Simon, everyone are there, and you and you know that if you make it on Twitter, you made it somehow. You know, so yeah, that's true. You get the course. You're like, yeah, I'm closer to that. You know, I'm in this club. It's funny. It's always the best conversations. 
Cool. <laughs> Every time I learn something new, I'm like, oh shit, this is giving me ideas for the next year. And then I'm going to, and then I get richer. So I hope next time we talk, I would, we would be making like 50K a month based on this discussion. Yeah. So yeah that would be hopefully. fun. That, that's the goal. This is actually the fourth time that Dagobert is here in the podcast. And we are always catching up with each other and uh, testing our ideas. I always learn a lot from him. And now it's time to learn about how he did the launch of his Twitter course. Listen to this. The reason why I overworked so much to launch at the last week of October is I had in the back of my head that I wanted to do a Black Friday promo one month later. And I was okay. like, if I have less than one month, it's going to be too close. You can't launch and do a Black Friday in two weeks because then people who paid full price, they feel pissed. Like it's, right. I was like, okay. I need, I, 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 initially I wanted to have two months, but because I was late and perfectionist, I was like, okay, I cannot have less than one month. So I need to launch. Mm -hmm. So, and the plan of the launch is, I mean, I kept talking about it every day. Like every, I mean, not uh, directly on my main tweets, but like every time someone was talking about Twitter uh, algorithm or something uh, in my network or that I see somewhere, I would give tips. And then mm -hmm. over the, over, during when I was uh, this five months doing the course, and every time I did it, if somebody was, oh, wow, that's awesome advice, I would send them a reply saying, hey, you want me to send a DM when my course is out? Mm -hmm. And so I had a list of 150 people like that who I had helped over the months and who had said yes to me sending okay. a DM. So that was the first step. This is not a surprise strategy for us anymore, is it? We have talked with many other entrepreneurs here in the podcast that follow these exact steps. For example, Simon with FitHive or uh, Julia with Notion Forms. This strategy of creating a group of people that are potentially interested in your product is crucial because they will support you during your launch. Besides, while you're making your product, you can always count on them for valid feedback. Let's hear what Dagobert did next. Second step is, you know, I built a lot of relationships on Twitter over time with a lot of big accounts. So I had right. a list of about 50 people in my network who had pretty big accounts who I had supported many times and who I knew mm. they would support me. So when I launched the course, I actually did an early access three weeks late, earlier to make sure, you know, and it actually got me some good insights to make the course way better. So I sold about 10 to very hardcore people who already told me they wanted the course, so I just sent them a DM. Did, did you give it for free or like did you No, 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 sell I made it? it paid. I made it pay. Because everyone, even oh, yeah, for yeah. The, these big accounts. Oh yeah. I mean, no, I mean maybe three people I gave it for free. Uh like okay. huge accounts who like Justin Wells, I think I gave it for free, but he didn't even read it. So, you know. But whatever. Say so it's um it's just like um I'm talking more like less big accounts, not like 200K like Justin Welch or, you know, uh, Andrew Gazdecki, like these huge ones, but yeah. more like, because they didn't uh, interact with my tweets, but more like big to closer to my level, like Arvid, you know, and people right. like that. And like 10K people like uh, Anna, or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Simon also, who is way bigger actually. But yeah, you know, all mm -hmm. these people who I knew. And what I did is when I launched... I sent uh, 50 DMs to these people. I mean, I sent them one week earlier. I said, okay, I'm launching next week. Uh, can I count on you to support me, retweet ideally and all that? And then when I launched, so I did the launch tweet and I sent them a DM saying, okay, it's time. And I was blown away because like, they all rushed to retweet and support me. 
And I think it's because um, I spent one year before that just building relationships, yeah. being nice, being supportive, being generous. And it's the fame, you know, it's the famous saying, like, you just give, 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 and then eventually you ask. And when you ask, they say yes, because you gave so much. So I gave without thinking for so long that when I asked for once for some yeah. support, they gave it. You know what's amazing is the fact that this whole process of building the Twitter course and then launching, selling it, this is a perfect example of the audience-first approach. When uh, Dagobert first started, he was doing Logology and he was doing Twitter at first for fun and then to bring traffic to his website. Then he kind of realized that he was good at it. He was good at Twitter and he started growing this huge audience. And he understood. He understood that uh, people had the problem to solve. They didn't know how to grow the audience. But he did. He knew how the algorithm worked. He built this whole image, his own image of being the meme lord, the guy that really understands Twitter. And he started building these relationships, this network. The network of people that when the time came, they were there to help him. They were there to help him with a launch, with support, and even to buy his first courses. I was also surprised with the fact that Dago did not give away his course. He just sold it. He sold it to all of his friends, even the ones that he needed the support from. But this is what an entrepreneur needs to do. This is what a lot of us, at least at first, we don't do it. We are too afraid. We don't want to ask for money. We don't have the confidence to do that. And even though Dagobert was initially not very confident, he is still an indie hacker. He's still an entrepreneur. And he knows that he needs to make money. So he asked for it. And why wouldn't he? He made such a great product that people should be willing to pay. If they are not, something is probably wrong. He also sent 150 messages to all of the people that were interested in the Twitter course. And uh, let's now hear how the money evolved, how the revenue evolved from the start. And that was like end of October. And we made about 10K in one week, I think. And then November, it That's kept incredible. going. We kept having mm -hmm. a few sales a day. I mean, a few yeah. between five and 20. So like some good days. Yeah. But then after one month, there was this Black Friday. And Black Friday, okay. I had the plan to do something huge because I had experience with Logology last year. I did 50% discount and it was a huge success. And actually mm -hmm. this year we did it too with Logology and we had a lot of, we made like uh, 1800, uh, you know, like almost $2,000 with Logology wow. in one week of Black Friday, like, like, like last year. And so I was like, okay, the thing is the course is pretty expensive. It's like 80 bucks, the big the big mm -hmm. version is 80 so bucks. So you have two versions, right? You have the extended version for 80 bucks yeah. and then the other one... 99% of people get the big version. It's like almost nobody who gets the, the small version. Really? Uh, I got I got the small version. No, I know. I know you did. I, know you did. I, was, like, <laughs> I was like, Thiago is so fucking cheap. <laughs> like, no, that is quite good. It's quite... After this, the conversation kind of went sideways. Dagobert was really upset with the fact that I didn't buy the expensive version of this course, that he basically left. Psyched? Of course not. I'm completely joking. He was completely fine with that. But he did mention some super interesting strategy on how to use Black Friday to get some extra sweet sales. Let's listen to that. Yeah, and the thing with the Black Friday is I knew for the month after the launch, 
a lot of people couldn't pay for it, you know, because it's 80 bucks, the main version. So it's way more expensive than uh, all your Twitter courses. Like Daniel Vassalo's is like 20 and Arvid's is uh, 50, but you can get it cheaper in different places. Right. So it's the black like, market. <laughs> no, just like uh, Udemy <laughs> and stuff like this. Podia, I think, whatever. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I like can get 80. you. A, I can get your Arvid's course cheaper if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't talking about that. But yeah, I see what you mean. Um, that's what kind of like the the fear now is that people are gonna you know torrent it or something. So that's why I'm like feeling weird. But mm. uh, but yeah, anyway, I knew a lot of people would want it but couldn't afford it. So I knew Black Friday could be big because a lot of people were talking about the course, sending kind of like spontaneous testimonials on Twitter saying it was amazing. So I knew there was a lot of uh, demand. So Black Friday, I did something big. I did basically 40%, but if you retweet, I give you 20% more. So it's like 60% off if you retweet, which was going to... And the goal was to get a lot of retweets, obviously. And it completely worked. Like we did uh, Black Friday, we did 10K or something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you catch that? That's genius. So basically, Dagobert made a tweet for Black Friday, giving 40% on his course. But then, if people would retweet this tweet, they would get an extra 20%. So in total, they would get a 60% discount. The reason why Dago did this is because links on Twitter, they don't have a lot of reach. So by offering this extra 20%, people would just retweet and increase the reach of his link, the link to his Twitter course. But you might be wondering, is it worth it basically giving 60% of your course for free? Well, listen to his strategy. Because I, I went through this with Logology last year. We put it 50%. And what I noticed is that it created a lot of awareness. And then even after Black Friday was over, we still sold way more than usual at the full price. Mm. And so I knew this could happen too. So like basically we did that. And, and then, you know, that's really and then, why is that? So, why do you think that happens? That like you just gave a huge discount and then. I think it's because there's way more awareness, way more people yeah. know about it. Especially, you know, we send the stickers to people like uh, uh, in the, in the, in the po post, you know, they get a letter of the sticker, mm -hmm. the dominate Twitter sticker that they get. And yeah. they can tweet about it. Uh, so like basically by selling so many units during Black Friday, you get way more people who spread the word. So eventually now we get like between two and five per day. Uh, on average, it's, it's uh, yeah, on average, you make 10K per month. That's like we did 10K, we did 11K in December. This month, we're on track for 10K. First month, we already did 10K. It's only November that we did 30 because of Black Friday and post-launch. We, we, we are at 50K now. We are at 50K in three 50K? months. Yeah. That's incredible, Dago. Congrats. Thanks, dude. Whoa. 50K in three months is incredible. I'm really happy for Dagobert and Lucy. And I remember in our last call, I knew it. I knew that he could be making more money with all the efforts he has been putting on Twitter and in his startup. He could do it. So I'm really happy to see that he was able to follow his passion and build a course and now he has solved the most critical problem the problem that all of us indie hackers have making enough money to pay the bills once you do that i believe that your whole experience just gets better so i was wondering to ask this to dago what changed 
now that he's able to pay the bills and still actually have some savings in the end of the month. It feels like Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings is that you went through so much shit that you're not even happy. Like, as I know it's not what people want to hear and I feel bad for saying it, but like, we feel, we feel happy, but like, it wasn't a big win. It, I mean, it wasn't like we made it because it's more like, okay, 50K, that gives us one year of full salary paid by Logology. That's it. Because you know, like, that's the reality. Because like, because it's from the company, then you have taxes. Then if you want to make a living, my wife and I, and stop using our savings, we can basically last one year with that money. And because we went through so much shit, it's like, okay, that's awesome. We need to do better. Like we need to do more because it's not, you know, and uh, so we were happy. I mean, we went to the restaurant. I bought a new phone. I bought some AirPods. I bought some cool <laughs> shit, you know, a bit, you know, a bit of, you know, celebrating. Did you have a nice steak? I always have a nice steak. I have a nice steak every day. That's like I, my... I tried, I think it's called Wagyu beef. I don't know if you know oh, what wow. this is. Yeah. yeah, it's like Japanese stuff. Exactly. Man, that's, that's life-changing. Yeah, I bet. So now I'm imagining you always having, always having Wagyu beef every, every that's day. That's too expensive. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and you know, and that's that's what I was going to say. Like it's like because we know how hard it is and how uh, risky it is. We're like, okay, we have some. It's basically new savings now that we can keep. But what I don't understand because you're making 10k per month, so that's a salary. Yeah, but like that's who MRR. knows? I mean, who knows? Like, like literally, the day I launched is the day that Elon Musk. Uh, bought Twitter. And yeah. dude, like, you don't know what can happen. You don't know what can happen. Do you believe that it never actually occurred to me that Dagobert's course also suffered from what a lot of other SaaS suffer, platform risk? Dagobert's course is for Twitter. If suddenly people do not use Twitter anymore, no one cares to understand the algorithm or no one cares on learning how to get better engagement because no one is on Twitter. So... Now, with perfect reason, Dagobert was worried. A lot of changes have happened since Elon took over Twitter. And actually, a lot of people already lost their jobs, their livelihoods. So I wanted to hear Dago's opinion on this. Is he scared? Let's hear it. At first, I was worried uh, because, dude, uh, I mean, but mostly because a lot of people were worried. You know, it was more like a yeah. group thing of like everybody freaking out, but... What I'm learning with Elon Musk is that he promises huge changes, then he makes a small iterative change. Yeah. Like he says big stuff, and then in the end, oh, it's a small tweak. But like <laughs> he's a big visionary guy, so he talks about big shit, and then it's a small change. He's a media guy, right? That's, that's yeah. his, his way of getting attention, right? Yeah, and he's amazing at it. Like he's, It's uh, really he's, good, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, so I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not that much worried anymore. I think Twitter is going to keep, you know, on the kind of like steady. I think it's actually better than before because before that, the, there was already a lot of problems with Twitter. Now, at least you can see them moving a bit in the right direction, fixing things. For example, now the feed, they just changed it a couple of days ago. You have, uh, you know, you used to have to click on the special store icon to see everything and not just mm -hmm. your home feed. And now you can just toggle between those. It's just like a, it's just easier to access. So I think it's going to be e better for people. But as I right. said, it's like an incremental change. I know that he wants to allow, allow to make big tweets now. I mean, without character limits, mm -hmm. that should be out soon. So I think that would be interesting. Uh, you know, but 
again, uh, and also it seems like they, they did fix a problem with the bots because, you know, he talked about, oh, yeah, we're going to remove the bots. And I, and I personally, with a big account, I noticed it because for the mm. past six months, yeah. I was having every day three uh, NFT kind of bots asking <laughs> me to support their shit. And once he said he was going to remove the bots, three days later, it disappeared. Now I don't have anything like that anymore. So it turns out that Dago is not too worried about the future of Twitter. He believes that it will still be here in the years to come. But I was wondering about algorithm changes, because a course is something static. And if the algorithm changes, then the lessons that Dago was teaching in the course might not apply. So he said that he actually plans to send extension packs like updates where people can actually see what changed in the algorithm and how they should adapt the strategy to get the full engagement out of the platform. He also says that he wants to give this for free to the customers. I see it exactly like a SaaS. So something where you add updates, you know, and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. That's really how I, I, I conceive it. So I have a plan to do like one month from now, like uh, maybe like a 20 minute video and then mm -hmm. every time there's a need for it like a couple times like three or four times a year i'm going to add a new video that's going to be a new like algorithm updates and then okay, right. what changed what you should change in your strategy uh you know to adapt and i think it's going to yeah. be cool also long term for like quality word of mouth and all that so far we already covered a lot in this interview we covered the writing process the creation process the selling and launch process And one thing for sure, it's doing really, really well. Dago is able to make a lot of money from this course every month. But is it worth it? A lot of you were actually asking this. Can people actually see the results after applying Dago Bell's techniques? I wanted to ask him that, and that's what he answered. I have like 200 bookmarks of people who said on Twitter, it was amazing. Let me see. Do you have anyone that already has shown yeah. some, like, progress? A lot of people get significant progress. I mean, the course is really ideal for people who are already very active, but they just like something missing. It's just, like, very right. active, and they're just, like, something escapes them, and they don't understand why they're stuck. And the course mm -hmm. explains it and solves it, and then they take off. Best example is probably Kyle Goley. So he did a testimonial that basically said... I started to take Twitter marketing more seriously last month. I bought Dago's Twitter course and applied all the tactics. Results, almost four times the impressions. Sales of my startup were also up four times. Now I'm about to reach 10K followers. Boom. Do you have haters already? No, I expected them. But I had a few people who asked a refund uh, because they didn't... Really? I mean, but you know, it's mostly people who came from... Gumroad Discover, like didn't know anything, mm. had no context about who I was, what I was going to do. So they just saw the Gumroad page and they bought and then it was like, oh, it's not what I wanted. I think though, oh yeah, though when I started announcing it, I remember a, a post on Indie Hackers uh, that I wasn't a part of, but like people talked about me. So I was like, okay. oh wow, shit, uh, people talk about me now. Okay, cool. So <laughs> this is something that was, uh, that was cool. Okay. I, I was happy, obviously, because it seems like, okay. Uh, I'm famous, awesome. But like at the same time, uh, people were like saying, like because uh, because I wasn't there, they was like shitting on me with no problem. Like it was very weird. Like like people <laughs> saying, oh yeah, he's doing a course now. He's just a fraud. Like uh, somebody said that actually. 
So then I replied, I said, you know, but like, but it felt very weird to be like, uh, you know, at the third person like this. Like, I'm yeah. just like, uh, now I'm something. Now it's like, it's this Twitter guy, but it's not a person. It's an anymore. object somehow. Yeah. And now you know weird. how like the big, you know, Elon Musk and like the, the famous people feel where yeah. you, like, you just don't connect them with people. You just, that's it. You, that you don't see someone. And I think for me, it was weird. Cause like when I started Twitter and all my tweets are about being pretty authentic, right? It's about sharing personal and authentic stories. Yeah, yeah. But still, you know, uh, it's funny how quickly people can assume bad intentions. Like, mm -hmm. they thought I was doing a course. A few people, they immediately assume uh, a scam or something. Yeah. Immediately. It's like the neighbor situation. If you never met your neighbors and they are making a lot of noise, you start like, oh, these people, they are terrible. I hate them. And then when you actually meet them and you see that they are nice people uh, and you'd be like, okay, maybe that's the reason why they're making noise. And so it's exactly the same. If they don't know you from yeah. Twitter, they don't have a good yeah, relationship true. with you, they'll be like, yeah, this guy is just annoying. But when they know you, they'll be like, okay, no, actually, it's not so good, so bad. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's it, basically, yeah. So, yes, Dagobert has a few haters, but nothing to be concerned about. Now, I wanted to ask him about another side of the business, distribution. You see, Dagobert used Gumroad to publish and distribute his course. He didn't make his own website, his own solution, and he did not use any other third party. However, a lot of people were speaking against Gumroad recently because they increased their fees. So I was curious, why did Dago like Gumroad so much? I think it's good to have a third party. I don't know, because you also have the ratings and... Uh, yeah, but so how much money do you pay them, actually? I was paying them basically 5% plus the transaction fee. So it's not doesn't seem that big, you know. But for 5% of 10k... You still at 500 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, I pay, I pay them fees. They also handle affiliates for me because mm. I make a ton of sales with affiliates. I made like, out of the 50K we made, I made at least 5K from affiliates. Wow, so okay. that's a big thing. Okay, that's good, yeah. And they handle that. And, it's, and they handle it very gracefully because I have affiliates for Logology. Every month I have to go to PayPal, pay guys individually. It's mm. a mess if, uh, you know... Uh, and it's expensive. This uh, affiliate service costs me 50 bucks a month or something, plus 9% commission on the transactions. So I'm happy that Gumroad does it for me. And yeah, I think, you know, I think it's not about looking for the cheapest. I think it's about, okay, what's convenient? And it's very convenient for me uh, to use Gumroad. They also handle the newsletters. Like when I send an email to everyone, it's just, it's just so fucking easy, man. Okay. So fucking easy. And with this, we covered all aspects of making and selling a course. This was kind of a masterclass, and your teacher was Dagobert. Now, I want to finish this conversation with a topic that concerns me a lot. Mental health. You know, as a social media platform, Twitter makes money with your attention. They want you to be there as long as possible. And sometimes I kind of feel addicted, and I feel that... If I don't post, I'm actually missing out on something, that I'm losing the reach and the contact with my friends. So I was wondering what was Dago's opinion about this and if he was actually feeling addicted to the platform. Let's hear it. Well, first, for example, I haven't tweeted in four days, even scheduled. So I'm taking a break right now. Okay. So I think it's okay to take breaks. 
Actually, I think I'm one of the only accounts that have that many followers that take breaks. You know, because uh, most people, they keep scheduling even when they're away. And when I'm away, I don't tweet. And because I think, you know, if you do it properly, if you just, let's say I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem. Like it's normal that if you stop being active, you lose some priority. And it's not because you lose priority. It's because others who were tweeting when you were gone gain priority over you yeah. because people engage with them and they didn't have an opportunity to engage with you. So the Twitter algorithm basically learned that, okay, for the past two weeks, uh, this person is engaging with these accounts, so I'm going to show it more of these accounts. So even though they were engaging with you before, when you come back, you have kind of a gap that was created with these other people who yeah. you kept engaging with. And that makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense. I mean, you have your friends. It's like, it's like well, in life, as you said, it kind of happens, right? But when you when you have your friends, you should allow them to have a break, and then when they return, but you do you don't lose you don't lose you don't lose everything you don't lose everything you you lose mostly the the less involved people, right? Basically, uh -huh. uh, and but like the more you leave, the more people you lose. It makes sense, but I guess I think it's because people it's always like this weird thing like when people say oh you lose, it's not fair. It's like yeah, but like. How, how, how do you think it could work? Because like, it's not like you're with friends. It's not like 10 people. It's like millions of people. Right. And most people, they follow hundreds of people. And when you follow hundreds of people, you can't see everything. It's normal. Like, let's say you follow 500 people. How can you see everything that everybody tweeted on one single day? You can't because you're not going to spend enough time on Twitter. You know? So mm -hmm. Twitter has to prioritize. So it's going to prioritize yeah. based on the one you're most engaged with. So when you take a break, the longer you take a break, the more at risk you are that eventually Twitter considers that, okay, you haven't, people are not engaging with you and all that. So, but like, I think as long as you see Twitter as a way to build relationships and connections, and mm -hmm. when you come back from your break, you just spend a bit more time than usual just connecting with others instead of just tweeting. But if you do that, you're just going to go get back your reach very quickly. Like I noticed that, you know, that's why I took a break in the Christmas. I'm taking a break now. I took a four weeks break in July. Mm -hmm. You don't feel somehow addicted to it. I don't know if it's addictive, but, you know, when you get a lot of people replying to you, connecting with you, it's exciting. Like it's just exciting. You get a lot of engagement, a lot of people who give a shit, who are connecting. So, yeah. You want to reply, you want to connect, and it just takes time, and it takes brain space and mental space, and it's uh, very exhausting. That's for sure. Like when I started tweeting, I was spending 10 hours a day, so I know yeah. I was, you know, crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see it that way now. I think now I think I can just get by with like two hours per day, which is already huge mm -hmm. uh, for most people. But it's, uh, I don't know, I see it as just like, it's, it's just so much opportunities, so many people who you can meet. About that, I totally agree with Dago. Twitter changed my indie life. At first, when I started this podcast, I actually didn't know much about Twitter, and I was mostly on LinkedIn and other platforms. But Twitter kind of opened up the whole indie world. Most of the people that I interviewed, I met through Twitter, and a lot of sales I've made, I've made through Twitter as well. So... 
I totally agree. It's a great platform to meet people, a great platform to connect. There are ways for us to somehow control our quote-unquote Twitter addiction. We can somehow constrain our hours, the time we spend on Twitter. And we can take breaks. And of course, we can use tools like FeedHive to help us optimize the whole engaging process and Twitter process. That was my conversation with Dagobert. His course is really good. But of course, you need to put in the hours. There's no magic potion. There's no reading something and suddenly you have a thousand more followers. It's actually a lot of work. But if you are willing to put in the work, then just do it right. Dagobert's course will be linked in the show notes of this episode, as well as FeedHive together with the discount we are offering for you. Dago, thank you so much, man. Um, it's uh, you're already a regular here in the in the podcast, and it's great. And every yeah. time you return, you have a more exciting news, more followers. We learn something with each other, so I guess you'll keep returning. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. well, <laughs> as long as if, uh, if every time I return, I make more money, I'm more successful, I'm happier, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all in. Thanks, man. And this is the end of today's interview, today's episode. If you are interested in learning more about Dago, he's a regular here in the podcast and I've interviewed him many times. The first interview was actually in episode 146. There you'll be able to learn more about the whole process of building Logology. After that, I interviewed him in episode 208. There we kind of spoke about the possibility of building this Twitter course. So it's a perfect introduction for today's episode. Besides that, I have many other interviews with other indie makers that you probably know. They are mostly on Twitter and you can find them at wannabe-entrepreneur.com episodes. If you like me and you want to connect with me and uh, ask questions about indie hacking and follow this podcast, you can follow me at WBTiago. I'm always keen to answer your questions and speak with the listeners. Make sure to share this with your indie maker friends. Let's make this podcast grow and let's make the community a better one. This was another Wannabe Entrepreneur episode. See you next time. <laughs>